start with the good news this morning. Last night I introduced to you the, the sort of introductory lines from the Satipatthana where the Buddha describes this path as being a direct path to realization, a direct path to liberation. I want to just read you something from the end of the discourse for those of you who are not familiar with this, with this discourse. It says, but it says, Verily, practitioner, whoever practices these four ways of establishing mindfulness in this manner for seven years, then one or two fruits may be expected by them, highest knowledge here and now, or if some remainder of clinging is yet present, the state of non-returning. O practitioners, let alone seven years. Should any person practice these four ways of establishing mindfulness for six years, five years, four years, three years, two years, one year, then one of two fruits may be expected by them. Highest knowledge here and now, or some remainder of clinging is yet present, the state of non-returning. O practitioners, let alone one year. Should any person practice these ways of establishing mindfulness for seven months, six months, five months, four months, three months, two months, one month, half a month, let alone half a month. Should any person practice these four ways of establishing mindfulness in this manner for even one week, then one or two fruits may be expected by them. Highest knowledge here and now, or some remainder of clinging is yet present, the state of non-returning. So we have just the right amount of time. <laughs> this is fortunate. So we have our first full day of silence, our first full day of practice, and it really is a day of arriving. I know it's such a, a big transition to actually get here, but that process of transitioning into a retreat really does continue for a couple of days, you know, and you need a great deal of, of right attitude here. You know, you, you will find, of course, that your, your life in many ways follows you onto your cushion, follows you onto your walking path, and why would it not? You know, it's not like you've just had this clean psychological and emotional break with all that has gone before. So the thoughts will be there, the images will be there, you know, there may be the thought about, did you turn off the lights, you know, or what about that email I didn't send, you know, and, you know, what about that person I didn't let know. So your life will follow you onto the cushion in so many ways. And we discover, I think sometimes to our dismay, how many life habits also follow us onto our cushion and onto our walking path. You know, and this is where we really have opportunities to, to step out of those habits. You know, as I mentioned yesterday evening, habit and mindfulness, habit and wakefulness don't coexist. You know, so in order for habits, psychological habits, emotional habits to be sustained, we have to either be totally unaware that they're happening or we feed them. We feed them through repetition. So arriving here, you know, it does kind of, in a sense, illuminate or shine light upon everything that our minds do, everything that our bodies do. You know, sometimes this is really welcome news. Sometimes it's somewhat disturbing, you know, to see how much repetition there can be. How much repetition there can be. You know, there was an experiment some years ago uh, by neuroscientists where a group of people were dropped into a wilderness location and asked to find their way out. And what was discovered is, you know, these folks would, do, would actually just walk in circles you know, without a compass or a map to guide them. They would just walk in circles, ending up in exactly the same place they started out. I think we already knew this, you know, I, I mean, the, the, the research is helpful, but I think we know this in our own experience, how often we, we walk in the circles of habit. Hmm? We walk in the circles of rumination, of obsession, of fantasy, of planning. Of, and, and here's an opportunity 
here's an opportunity. You know, the, the wonderful thing about the four ways of establishing mindfulness, I think, is that we have everything we need right here. You know? It's not like we need to look somewhere else for a body. Hmm? It's here, you know. It's not like we need to look somewhere else for to have feeling tones. They're they're here. We don't need to look far, you know. We don't need to sort of somehow purchase a mind. We've got one, you know. We've got one. You don't need to go into the yogi store, you know. We don't need to look far for processes. They're already here, and this is the great beauty, I think, of this teaching, to avail ourselves of what is here, but in a new way, in a new way bringing that, those qualities of, of curiosity, of care, of patience, in patience particularly, you know, in these first couple of days. Really, really kind of stepping out of that habit, actually, of leaning forward, you know, of wanting something to be different than how it is. That patience that it takes to, to actually meet our experience of the moment. I think this first day of a retreat is, is really one of the most important days because it, it's not really about the contents of our experience. You know? It's about how we are with those contents. You know, the tiredness, the restlessness, the, the endless thinking, you know, the discomforts. It's about how we are with. You know, I think we're, we've all had enough experience to know that we we don't turn up on a retreat and find that, you know, deep states of calm and collectedness are somehow waiting for us on the cushion. We know these are earned. They're earned. They are born of our patience. They're born of our willingness. They're born of our, our, our tenderness and our care and our dedication. And this is so much what we set. We almost set those seeds in this very first day um, and those seeds begin then to really flower through the days that follow. I would really encourage you, you know, may, you may have already decided this yourself, I hope, but, you know, when you read the schedule, you know, and it sit, walks, it walks, it walks, you know, it's not too much drama in there, is there? It's kind of pretty predictable. But it's really an invitation, isn't it? It, it? It's an invitation to just yield as much as we're able to, to a seamless wakefulness. Not to think that I've done a sitting and that's over, and now I do walking and now there's a break. You, know? it, you notice there's no word break on the schedule. Uh, retreats actually don't do breaks. You know, we, we like to encourage you actually to, to be wakeful in all things, you know? to treat all moments equally. And it really is so helpful to, to yield the parallel schedule. Um, some of you might know what that is. The parallel schedule is when you look at the schedule on the board and decide how much you're participating in and how much other things you have going on. Now, here, there's not that much to do, but we can find things to do. But, you know, to, to actually see, a, you know, you might look at the schedule and say, well, yeah, that sitting's fine, that walking, or no, it's nap time, you know, no, it's coffee time, you know, or, you know, maybe that's my walk in the woods time, you know. Try and just yield it. Try and just get as simple as we, we can during this first day. So we emphasized last night, and, and hopefully you know, through if you've read what this retreat is about, we will be quite, quite as thoroughly as we can in the time available, beginning to experientially explore the Satipatthana discourse. This teaching on the four ways of establishing mindfulness, the four ways of establishing wakefulness in our lives. Now, the first step in the Satipatthana is really concerned with our relationship with our body, how we're present in this body, recognizing that the body is involved in all things that we do. And very often, we're not there. You know, very often we're not there. We, we live in a head-centered, mind-centered world where the body is somehow, you know, almost regarded as kind of irrelevant unless it's shouting at us. 
in pain or discomfort or in some way. So this is always the first step. It's our way of establishing ourselves in a present moment recollection is through establishing ourselves in this body of the moment. This body just now. As I say, you know, we have strong patterns of dissociation from the body for many reasons. You know, if we don't like our bodies, they don't feel like a place we want to be. You know, if you live with chronic pain or illness, it seems counterintuitive to to establish yourself in the body. You know, if you have a lot, you know, we have often a lot of stories about the body. Often we're dissociated because we're simply so often just lost in thought and the body drags along behind us, you know, a sort of vehicle for taking our mind from one place to another. So the Satipatthana suggests a fresh way of relating to the body, befriending the body, interested in the body, learning from the body, that our ways of being present in the body become a kind of microcosmic view of all of our relationships, begins with this relationship with this body. Now this part of the discourse is very, very extensive, but there's an entry point. There's an entry point. And the, the instructions in that entry point really point towards actually getting simple, simple, and actually really being mindful of the body breathing. And I say that phrase very specifically. The body breathes. I don't breathe. The body breathes. The body knows how to do this. But in the, in the teachings, it, it's not watching the breath. It's not about observing the breath. It's not about getting concentrated. It has a very, very uh, clear intentionality within the instruction, where it goes, breathing in, calming the body, breathing in, calming the formations, breathing out, calming the body, breathing out, calming the formations. So the intention here is is actually quite simple. The the intention is, through establishing ourselves in the breathing process, beginning to calm everything that is agitated. Everything that is agitated, the patterns of agitation, and our patterns of agitation are many, you know, the distractedness, the busyness with our thoughts, our leaning forward into the future, our dwelling in the past, the patterns of agitation are very obvious. So we're learning to go through this doorway and to begin to establish a a calm collectedness now, some of you, and, and I really specifically, I'm not using the word concentration, but this sense of collectedness, of gatheredness. You know, much of mindfulness process is really concerned with integration, integration of body, mind, and present moment. So when we speak about present moment collectedness, it's a sense of gathering our attention and establishing it here within the body. An image I use, and and some people tell me they find it useful, is sheepdogs collecting the sheep. You know, it's it's. If, I don't know if you've ever seen documentaries on sheepdogs collecting the sheep, but you know these dogs are really skillful. You know, they go out. You know, like in Wales and places like that, or Switzerland, and they, they go out in the hills. You know, and the, the sheep are scattered wide and far, like our thoughts. Huh? And the sheepdog learn to gather them. They, they don't frighten them, they don't bite them, they don't intimidate them, but they know how to gently gather them and to move them from pastures that don't serve them well anymore because they're worn out and move the sheep into pastures where actually they're nourished. And if you think about present moment collectedness in that way, we're gathering our thoughts from places, you know, these dried out pastures. We've got a lot of dried out pastures in our lives, most of us, you know. That particular memory trip, that particular, you know, rumination, that particular preoccupation, there is no more insight there. You know, now we're just repeating. We have a lot of dried out pastures. We're gathering, gathering, gathering our attentiveness 
and establishing a present moment recollection that is nourishing, where we can thrive. And that's, that's a patient process, you know. We don't shout at ourselves, we don't intimidate ourselves, you know. It doesn't work to sort of, you know, commandeer a sort of mighty sledgehammer and beat your mind into submission. This does not work. It's intention-led, it's commitment-led, and, and that sense of gathering, ah, just now, just now. Because every time we're establishing that present moment recollection in the body, we are establishing wakefulness. We're establishing intimacy. We're establishing a sense of connection. And it's a process. It's a process, please. And we really need to be participants in that process. You know, that collectedness does not happen because I have spent a hundred hours on a cushion. We need to be in there, engaged, curious. Now, in terms of doing this, there's three steps I want to really just mention briefly in this process of establishing present moment recollection. The first is interest. If we're not engaged, we, we, we're not here. We need to be interested. It might sound, well, how interested can I be in a breath? Really interested. It can be really interested. You know, how does this how does this body breathing feel in this moment? Where where is its beginning? Where is its ending? What is moving in this body as I breathe in? What is moving in this body as I breathe out? That level of curiosity, that level of interest, is our first place of engagement, rather than a command or an order. To be really curious, what's interest? What's going on? You'll notice when there is interest in our lives. Intention and attention naturally follow. Hmm? They naturally follow. If we're not interested, you know, we tend either to have a forced attentiveness that some of us have known from our school years or times we've been shouted at to pay attention. Interest engages attention in, in this very organic, very natural way. So first we get interested then we have the intention, the intention to be here and to sustain that interest, and attention will follow. Now, being mindful as we establish mindfulness within this moment-to-moment breathing process, this is not defensive. You know, don't expect that your mind won't go elsewhere. Of course it will. In don't expect that your, your mind's not going to get drawn to something that's more predominant in your experience. You know, a thought or a sound or a, a bodily sensation. Of course it will. These are not uh, meditative errors, you know, where we suddenly say, oh, I'm away from the breath, quick, run, 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 back, stay, you know, it won't work. Ah, we bring the same mindfulness to those moments. Ah, just that same simple knowing. Ah, Sensation, ah, thinking, ah, listening, ah, know you. Then I gently, gently, but intentionally come back. So this is really our invitation for the day. You know, it, it's, not, it, it's not complex, but it's not easy. It absolutely is not easy. Thoughts arise, you know, this is probably going to be your big, big bugbear of the day, you know. They arrive. Offer them a glass of water, not a five-course meal. You know, offer them a five-course meal, they're coming back. You know, that's a good place to hang out, you know. A glass of water, not a five-course meal. Returning. Returning. Here we begin to, to see one of the great gifts of mindfulness is learning that we can choose where we attend. We can choose what we pay attention to. And we can choose how we attend. This is our, our, our first big revelations in this practice. Many people don't feel that they have that choice. This is actually a huge thing, to know that I can choose where I attend and how I attend. And coming back to this present moment breathing process, there's so many lessons being learned here about non-clinging, about unbinding, about letting things be about caring for one's own well-being and one's own sense of, of groundedness and collectedness. There's so many lessons being learned here. So let's do some practice.
and establishing a, a, an intentional posture. This is really worth giving attention to. What it is to, to sit in an embodied wakefulness, an embodied sense of balance, an embodied alertness, since how, since how that is in your body just now. It's really sensitive to the contact points where your body touches the ground, clothing on your skin. the air touching your skin. Beginning to to bring the mind into the body, the body of this moment. just shining that light of attention more specifically on the body breathing, the aliveness of the breathing process. sensitive to the, the coolness or the warmth of the breath as it enters, leaves your body. Mindful of the place where your incoming breath turns to an outgoing breath. Aware of how your body expands, relaxes in the process of one single breath.
sustaining as much as you're able to an upright back, an upright neck. Such an ally in supporting wakefulness, that capacity to be present. Really make a commitment to the, the uprightness of your back and neck.
don't need to be concerned about whether there's fresh air in the room, but it will make it more supportive of wakefulness, we believe. <laughs> and maybe something about that. Uh, last night, um, I think Rodney introduced John, who's a retreat support person, and Anne is the other retreat support person who's here at IMS, so thank you. So good, walking meditation. Um, this is very early days of our retreat, so very much in the spirit of what Christina suggested. This is the moment to get our intentions clear. It's the moment to get our tools sharp. It's important to get out there. It's important to uh, recognize that the difference between sitting and meditation and walking meditation is, um, well, let's spell it out in some ways. While you sit, you have a maximum stability, you have closed eyes most of the time, and you have the least amount of sensory impingement. If you're walking, things look slightly different. Uh, I very much encourage you to have your eyes open for this type of practice. And with open eyes, your most dominant, your most, uh, in many ways, aggressive sense is uh, engaged. This sense reaches out into the world, it is touched, it is affected. And the motion of the body obviously provides interior bodily stimuli, so we have more going in our sense fields. Often people experience that as it is more difficult to get concentrated. Thank God we don't want to actually get concentrated because we're not interested in concentration. Concentration is a sort of effortful, slightly strained, uh, continued vigilance. This is not what Buddhists call mindfulness. It's something that gives you neck pain and migraines. <laughs> yeah, so let's get that clear. We're interested in uh, you finding a place where calm and stillness can be grown without you having to force. Yeah. Now, will, is in, will will be needed and intentionality will be needed, but it is not about getting the power to hold the mind on one thing. We're looking to cultivate a stability of receptiveness that doesn't flinch anymore. That, that comes about through uh, curiosity, sustained interest, and clarity of what we want to attend to. Finding appropriate grounds to let our attention settle on. This is not control that does it. It's that clarity of intention and the willingness to come back to uh, attend to something we have chosen. So deliberateness is part of it and appropriateness is part of it. Yeah, so we have to be clear what our focus is. In walking, that focus is um, sensations in your feet. We shift from breathing and postural attention to sensations in your feet uh, because they are dynamic, because they are tangible, uh, and there's lots of them. Yeah. So you won't miss them. Um, Important is that you get out there, that you identify a stretch. Clear beginning and a clear ending is indispensable. So this is not a walk. Don't try to be original. Circles, eights, irregular dodecahedras or something like that. Yeah? This is just back and forth. And you won't arrive anywhere. That's the purpose. Yeah? That's the big thing that is different from walking in other parts of our life where we generally want to get somewhere. In walking meditation you will not arrive anywhere. The interesting bit happens along the way. There's a slight shift and that has something profoundly disturbing because uh, much of our movement is moving towards something and in walk, walking meditation systematically and intentionally frustrates that. It's particularly annoying if you have to look at this from say the other side of the fence back home. If you want to drive your neighbors mad, do walk in meditation up and down the fence. Here, our neighbors uh, are used to this, and it's important that you do 
Identify the beginning and end points of your path. It's important that you stop, you uh, stop still and scan through your bodies, establish a posture. Remember what Christina just said, um, make a commitment to an intentional posture. So in walking meditation, this means you, you bring yourself upright and you center yourself. Center, balance, and then you scan through your body and then you move slowly. I would suggest small steps and I would suggest slower than you would usually walk. And you try to identify the shift in the, the career of a sensation in one or both of your feet. If you make small steps, you can stand on one foot and basically place the other foot. And you have the area of action as the other foot that is being placed. When that foot is being placed and has taken the weight, the, other, the first foot comes along. So if you do big steps, obviously you will have at some point make a choice which foot. You know? That's why I suggest small steps. If you sense too much is going on, slow down. Uh, if you still th sense too much is going on, just stop. It's perfectly all right to stop. Uh, midway, scan through your body, establish your posture, bring back your attention to where the body is and what you feel of this body. And then you gradually move on. So please be clear. Let's sharpen the tools. It's important that you're punctual, that you're doing this, that you're not cutting corners, that you make a firmness of intention to do this exercise, even though subjectively it may feel it's harder to get still than when you sit still. This is not about sitting still and getting still. It's about learning a dexterity, a fluidity of mind. In many ways, walking meditation is closer to our everyday life situations and the application of mindfulness in walking in some way is much more translatable into everyday activities than the one from sitting. It's, if you can, just suspend judgment on the quality of your meditation. Meditation has a cumulative effect. It's very difficult to actually assess the value of what you're doing while you're doing it. Um, and the type of mind that wants to assess this while it's already happening is the type of mind that is kind of keeps looking under into the pots while trying to cook the food. Yeah? So it's the same kind of sabotage attitude that you have if you keep opening the oven to look where the things are coming along nicely, you know, every three seconds. So just do this, apply yourself to this and um, be clear what you're doing. Be clear that if you find your mind wandering off, as is will inevitably be the case, bring it back. At that moment, it's important to know what you bring it back to. And you have a clarity again of your intentions and a clarity of sensation in your feet. And then you pursue. And if you need to bring it back many times, you bring it back patiently many times. Good, we'll pursue this. Um, we'll see each other back in here at, at 10 o'clock. I noticed there's a phone basket is not yet in use. So we would like to encourage you to make use of this. Yeah, so do consider parting from your beloved device and give it into the safe custody of uh, this institution. This is not a joke. You know, we're quite serious about this. Um, we acknowledge that these tools have an immense impact on our lives and it's not one that leads to more happiness and more calm. That's our, that's our clear intention. So if you have them with you, then... Uh, this is the moment to do it. We'll leave that box here for a moment and then uh, we'll give it over to the staff. Yeah. Make sure your name is on there. Thank you.